You're listening to the Play Like a Girl podcast, episode number 27. You play ball like a girl! I'm Nikki D with Play Like a Girl, made just for female athletes. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Play Like a Girl podcast. I'm your host, Nikki B. Here at Play Like a Girl, we aim to encourage more confidence in young women who play sports and give them the necessary tools and advice to have an amazing career in sports and beyond. If you are a young woman who plays sports and lives an active lifestyle, or you know one of these young women, I am so excited you are here. Each week, we will either bring you a guest in the sports world or have a roundtable discussion of the many taboo and important topics in the world of female sports. Are you with me? Let's change the game. All right, Plague listeners, today's guest has one of the most unbelievable stories I have ever heard. Kendall Burton is a former SEC softball player who went through countless surgeries and traumatic medical experiences that would have convinced any other person to give up. Her journey took her from playing for University of Texas at San Antonio to Oklahoma State, where she wasn't cleared to play, then finally to Georgia, where she finally completed her collegiate career. She is as resilient, strong, and brave as they get, so please give a warm plag welcome to Kendall. Hello, Kendall. I am so excited to talk to you. Thank you for joining us today. Yeah, of course. I'm so excited to be here. Oh my goodness. Well, I love how our paths have crossed. It's so cool when you told us that you had been listening to the Play Like a Girl podcast and it popped up in your recommendations on iTunes. And um, we, when we talked to Jen, she was like, you guys got to interview this girl. And we <laughs> we read a little bit about you and we were like, yep, we need to have this girl on here. Your story is so amazing and powerful and inspiring. So today is just going to be awesome. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. So cool. Okay. So something we do with our guests, as I'm sure you know, um, is do some <laughs> rapid fire questions. So are you ready? Yes. Okay. The first one is where do you currently live? So I currently live in Athens, Georgia. Mm. And then where did you grow up? I grew up in the suburban area of Houston, Texas. Mm, so. Houston, Texas. Cool. And then what sports did you play growing up? What sports did I play? I, I, I mean, I played all of them pretty much. I mean, basketball, soccer, I danced for a second and I hated every second of it. Uh, I played, but like my biggest ones were volleyball, track and softball. Mm, cool. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I feel like all of our guests lately are just like athletes that play every single sport. And I'm like, I did golf, <laughs> <laughs> but it's fine. I played a little bit of soccer and basketball, but let's be honest, I was not good. Um, so good thing I stuck to golf. <laughs> okay. <laughs> next question. What is your favorite quote? My favorite quote? Probably it's not about the destination, it's about the journey, like mm. that like quote, just because I feel mm. like it really expresses my life. And oh, I 100%. talk about it a lot during my speeches when I do talk mm. about my story because mm. I just like really resonate with it. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so good. Okay, next question. What is one of your superpowers? What is my superpower? Uh, I actually thought a lot about this because <laughs> I'm obviously <laughs> listening to your podcast. And... I don't know. I mean, I can, I'm really friendly. I honestly, genuinely just always can make it. I can talk to anybody. And so I'd like to say that's my superpower for sure. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. I think I I think personally your like willpower and resiliency is your superpowers. I mean, <laughs> we'll talk more about this and get into it, but I don't know anyone that would be as resilient and, you know, have 
have that strength that you have. So uh, yeah, I can't wait to talk about it further, but I think that's definitely <laughs> your superpower. Okay, um, final rapid fire question. Who is your favorite athlete? Okay, well, I don't want to be biased and be like someone on the Georgia Bulldogs team. <laughs> so uh, I'm actually going to say my friend Riley Bayless. She actually mm-hmm. plays at Oklahoma State. And mm-hmm. it's just because I love watching her play. She mm-hmm. just like, she loves and respects the game so much. Mm-hmm. And it's and not that you can't tell that everyone loves the game when you're watching softball, but it's just so evident when mm-hmm. you're watching Riley play. Like she just like is so into it. And it's mm-hmm. just like nothing else matters in the whole world. So it's just oh, awesome wow. to watch her play. That's yeah. really cool. That's really cool. And it's it's funny you bring that up because I feel like you softball girls, there is something about you guys and it's funny that we've talked to a few of you now <laughs> and we actually talked to one of the guys who is um a coach here at max he's a coach for a um softball a local softball team and it really i feel like softball is a cult in a way but it's like oh, all sure. of you are so in love with the sport and so emotionally invested in that we actually brought on a couple softball girls and had a roundtable discussion and she brought up a good point like you guys play for the love of the game it's not about the money like you play for with heart and i that just totally resonated with me so i was like i love all these softball girls because it's so true you guys play with heart and i think that it shines through um within all of you so it's really cool <laughs> yeah it really i mean it's super honest like what mm-hmm the girl said during that podcast so mm-hmm. yes love that okay so kendall tell us who is kendall burton <laughs> okay um <laughs> okay i don't even know how to start this question uh <laughs> so i guess i would just like start with my story i was born with a birth defect called it was a birth a cleft lip and palate and it was a pretty severe one and so i had about 23 surgeries by the time i was 17. wow and when I was 18, my very first semester of college at UTSA, I survived an acute ischemic stroke, which left me having to withdraw from my classes. And I mean, I couldn't speak or text or write or just like have all my cognitive skills were pretty messed up. I mean, I couldn't just like have a basic conversation with someone. Um, but I came back from that and I participated in the spring season at UTSA. And then I played the next season so my sophomore year but there was just something like uneasy in me and I was just like this isn't working anymore there's like this is not where my path is so I said bye to ETSA (laughs) and it led me to Oklahoma State University which was super short-lived because I was only there for one fall semester because they never medically cleared me And I mean, I had like countless doctors tell me like, you'll never play college softball again. You'll never be an athlete again. Like, and then I had a bunch of universities like basically tell me, no, like just looking at their, like your records, like you can't play for us. Mm. But then that led me to um, University of Georgia because I had them in Oregon were the only, out of all the universities, they were the (laughs) only ones that were looking at me and like cleared me medically. Like I was all good to go. (laughs) And, but I chose Georgia, obviously. And then I got to Georgia and I was just like super excited, but I also was just like kind of traumatized. I mean, I remember Mm -hmm. like the first couple of days I was there, I like cried every day, which is like, and I Mm -hmm. felt like I hadn't cried in forever, Mm -hmm. but it was just like such a big transition. Like I just moved to another state, like again, personally, Mm -hmm. six (laughs) months prior. But, and then that was, I mean, I started the very first game at Georgia, my junior year when I got there so I was there for like four or five weeks started the game but then I was just kind of like on and off 
in the lineup and I had like my biggest post-stroke seizure ever that wow. season as well. So since my stroke, I have these like post-stroke seizures, which are like mm-hmm. super normal, like every mm-hmm. stroke patient deals with them. But uh, basically I just, I wasn't on medication or anything for them yet. And it was in the middle of the game at the Marionette Classic. Mm-hmm. So like everyone was there. I mean, like mm-hmm. all the teams and I was like, I spent the night in the hospital, like in California. And then I like basically just thought that I was never going to play again because I didn't think that it would clear mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. And so I had this moment of like, oh, I did everything I could, but mm-hmm. I like, I'm like, it's all right. Like you did, you did your best. Like you fought really hard, but then I ended up being totally fine. He just like gave me meds. Like it was like no problem. <laughs> um, and then I, you know, the next following year is my senior year. And I just like, I mean, I worked my ass off and I got mm-hmm. the starting spot and ended up being in the World Series with like Crew 22. That was like the team last year. <laughs> and it was just like super incredible. Oh my gosh. That is absolutely amazing. I just can't even believe <laughs> all the things that you have been through that your body has been through. It's just, yeah. I mean, when me and producer Michelle were, you know, reading the ESPN woman's article about you, we were like, how is this girl like still here? And how is she still fighting? You know, like, how did you get up and fight every single time after you were knocked down at time and time again? It's just so crazy. So I mean, what do you think it is that made you so resilient through all of these, you know, like all of these medical uh, traumatic experience, like, like what kind of pushed you and pulled you through all of them? I mean, honestly, I was just so like, go, go, go. And mm-hmm. my main goal was always to play softball because mm-hmm. when I was a kid, like when I found softball when I was eight, I mean, I was going through like major insecurities because Mm -hmm. I mean I didn't look like everyone else you know like I was having surgeries on my face like Mm -hmm. twice a year Mm -hmm. and so I really found softball to be this just like uplifting like it was kind of a shield like you know the Incredibles like the the one who does the bubble (laughs) Mm -hmm. yes (laughs) like I felt like that was softball to me Mm -hmm. it was just like I just like put my bubble up and I like played and it was just like I, I was on, I felt beautiful. I felt really confident. Mm. I felt like I could like bench like three gorillas. You know, I was just like <laughs> in this like, I mean, basically my sights were always set to keep playing mm-hmm. because I love being a part of something bigger than myself. I loved just competing. I'm mean, like a very competitive person, like mm-hmm. stubborn and competitive human being. <laughs> so, and it was just kind of like, if I could just take it day by day to be able to feel that way again, mm. It was just like I always had this hope. I always mm-hmm. had, I had something that was so much bigger than what I was going through. If that mm-hmm. makes sense, like that's what drove me to get up mm-hmm. every day and like do everything and more to just like keep going. Mm-hmm. Oh, that is so powerful. And it's funny because I one of the things I was going to ask you is like, what is it about softball um, that you know? made you want to keep fighting and like, you know, get through everything you were going through. And um, I think it's so cool that you said it really was like kind of your outlet and it was your escape and it you like you felt beautiful doing it. And I think that's just the coolest thing ever. Um, <laughs> what it, is it about softball that you love so much though? Like what really draws you to it? I know you said it's because it was kind of your outlet when you're eight years old. Um, but what is it about the sport or the the community that you love so much about softball? Well, I guess it has to do with something that you mentioned earlier. It's kind mm-hmm. of just the love that's mm-hmm. within the game, and it's the love that you get with your teammates and your coaches. I mean, mm-hmm. 
you have new teammates every year, right? You have coaches, especially when you're a kid, you're like always bouncing from team to team. But what remains the same is the rules of the game and the mm-hmm. fact that you're banding together with other people. Like mm-hmm. that that never changes regardless of who you're going, going quote unquote to war with, right? Mm-hmm. And so I just like, softball is just such a beautiful sport. Like I just mm-hmm. can't say it enough. It's just mm-hmm. like something, it's, it's like so much it's just really special like because mm-hmm. it is true like girls don't play for the money girls right. play because it it just it fuels them in a way that money can't if that right. makes sense mm-hmm. so yeah it's so true I love that it's so cool um so let's talk about your I mean we'll talk about all about your your medical journey but the first and foremost thing is um your when you're born and your cleft lip or your cleft lip and palate so what was that like going through because as a young girl I'm sure as as girls we already have so many insecurities but as a young girl you feeling like maybe you looked different or were different from everyone else what was that like for you and what were things that you kind of had to tell yourself or shift your mindset about to really like get through that I feel like at a young age, and middle school was when I started to really uh, feel kind of really different. Because mm. when I was in elementary school, like I thought it was like the coolest thing that I was different. Like I <laughs> thought it was like the coolest thing that I, I had all these mm-hmm. scars and like mm-hmm. I had all these surgeries done. And then like you get older and you're like, okay, uh, I still have braces and I'm like missing a tooth and all my friends are like really pretty and I'm like you're going through this like super weird stage. And it's just like, that's when I was kind of like, whoa, Mm -hmm. you don't feel good about yourself, right? Mm -hmm. And I think it was kind of like looking myself in the mirror and just being like, this is okay. Like Mm -hmm. you still, you're still awesome and you're Mm -hmm. great. And like, this is, this is it. This is what you look like. Mm -hmm. And you need to embrace that. Like you have no problem like telling people like about your birth defect, like why you have a scar. So you Mm -hmm. should kind of exude that with, your face not Mm -hmm. just you're talking about it Mm -hmm. so I think it was kind of like a learning process for sure and I mean I still struggle with it you know today and it's just Mm -hmm. because it's just natural I mean Mm -hmm. I'm human I'm Mm -hmm. never just gonna like always feel perfect and feel like this is just the like the best thing ever like when I was five right Mm -hmm. but I think it's like always a work in process but just like being able to like look yourself in the mirror and be like I really love what I see Right. Oh, that is so powerful because, and I think I like the part that you brought up when you were younger, you thought it was the coolest thing ever because I think when we're, when we're young, when we're kids, um, we don't really see differences, right? Like we don't, um, and we're not self-conscious. I don't think that really happens until like middle school, high school, because that's when we start really realizing what the societal norms are. So I yeah. think it's so interesting that you, you you had that experience and that's, you know, as you got older, um, you started feeling that way. And it's really, it's really what society tells us, which is just, it's all false, right? And I, yeah. I think too, do you attribute um, some of it to, to gratitude? Because I know like for me personally, whenever I'm like, oh, you know, I got the short end of the stick, I have to think like, you know what? I'm alive and I'm breathing. Like I, I couldn't be here tomorrow. So you kind of have to be grateful no matter what. Do you think that um, in like practicing gratitude or anything like that kind of helped you get through it as well? Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. especially, and then... I- going because the thing is I was always healthy mm-hmm. I wasn't like battling cancer or like fighting for my life right mm-hmm. and that was something I constantly always reminded myself like this is like when I got like in the like lowest of the low mm-hmm. like it was like just reminding myself like Kendall like this sucks 
but like this is not even close to like what you know someone else is battling and Mm -hmm. that's not to fast forward or anything but with Mm -hmm. my stroke like I remember sitting in the hospital bed when my doctor my neurologist told me like you're physically capable you could literally run a marathon tomorrow if like you really wanted to but like Mm -hmm. you know your brain is injured it's Mm going to be really tired and like you can't speak you can't write you can't Mm -hmm. read you can't have a conversation like I don't know what that looks like for you Mm -hmm. and I remember being like if I am physically able to do this and there's so many people who have had strokes in the past who are in a wheelchair forever, Mm -hmm. they can never eat by themselves again, shower by themselves again. Like this is nothing. Mm -hmm. This is nothing like compared to the other people who just, they truly don't ever get the chance again. Like Mm -hmm. I got the chance. I got a second chance. And so I like, I persisted so hard because Mm -hmm. there's so many people who just don't, they, mm-hmm. they don't have a shot to fight again, if that right. makes sense. So mm-hmm. gratitude is certainly like a huge portion of my life and mm-hmm. just like something that I'd like to say defines me a little bit. Yeah, I love that. And I, I can totally tell. And let's talk, let's jump into your stroke okay. because you mentioned <laughs> that you had, what is it, 23 surgeries before you were 17. I mean, I can't even imagine yeah. going through that many <laughs> surgeries. It's absolutely insane. Um, and then when you got your stroke, like talk about that experience and how it, scary it was for you and really how, because it was more of a mental injury that you had to overcome. And you said you really had to relearn all the basics, right? right? Um, yeah. of just communicating and, and everything. So kind of talk to us about yeah. that. <laughs> so when it first happened, I remember like it, it was okay. So I was in my dorm room when it happened mm-hmm. and I don't remember feeling scared until my dad was actually down the road at a hotel. Mm-hmm. Um, my grandfather had actually passed away and it was the day of his funeral uh, that, that I had my stroke. Yeah. So <laughs> it was like a really trying time for my family, mm-hmm. but I I remember like I was kind of going through this like I thought I was hallucinating like mm-hmm. I couldn't really figure out why my arm wouldn't just like raise and mm-hmm. I called I like attempted to call my dad and he like wouldn't answer the phone and that was the first time I really got scared because I was really really tired and I wanted to fall asleep but I didn't think I would wake up if I did wow. and so it was just like I I remember that was like the most fearful part of it because I was just like, I was all alone, right? I was just like on the floor in my dorm room, just like laying there. Mm-hmm. But I mean, once I got to the hospital, found out it was a stroke, I was physically okay, you know, eventually like things would come back. I would be mm-hmm. able to speak again. Like I, I knew that that, that was gonna be in my future, right? Mm-hmm. I just didn't know like when, how. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I didn't even process the emotions of the fact that I had a stroke. I was just like going, 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 going. Like Mm -hmm. I refused to go home to Houston. I stayed in (laughs) San Antonio and my poor mom like was just like, cause I just wanted to like live a normal life. That's all Mm -hmm. I wanted to do when I was a kid. I didn't want to worry about my surgeries and stuff. So like when I had my stroke, I was just like, okay, so what's gonna get me to be normal again as soon as possible, right? (laughs) And my mom like stayed in a hotel room for like a month while Mm -hmm. I like went back to my dorm room and like attempted just like be normal. I mean, I went to practice, I went to wakes and I would have people have to drive near because I couldn't drive for a mm-hmm. while. I would go to my speech pathologist and cognitive therapy and I was doing like first grade homework. I'm like not wow. even kidding. And like I was, I, it was kind of like I had the, I had like dyslexia all of a sudden and then like my memory was shot. Like I couldn't, if I had like a 20 minute conversation with you, I couldn't remember like the basis of like mm-hmm. if you if you told me about your dog, I'd be mm-hmm. able to tell someone like they told me a story about a dog, 
but I couldn't tell you anything that happened in the story. Does that wow. make sense? Mm-hmm. So it was just kind of like a constant, like trying to retrain my brain how to like remember things mm-hmm. and it, like, um, like words were always jumbled. It was kind of like a game of charades with my friends, like all the time. It was like, <laughs> wow. it, it was like super funny. And like my coach and I, we, we made this term called strokish, which like sounds really inappropriate, but it was like, every time I butchered a word, I would just be able to be like, oh, that was strokish. Sorry guys. And like, it was just funny. Like, and it was just like, I really want to take it in like a really humorous way. Mm-hmm. And I, I really felt like super empowered and I never felt like, like this like stroke was totally hindering my life Mm -hmm. until about like a year after, like after season was done and like the therapy was done. I just kind of realized that like, I like wasn't the same Kendall. And I, Mm I, I was just, I just like felt like I was in this huge rut. So this is like my sophomore year, like the fall. And I, I just felt like, I felt like uncomfortable because mm-hmm. I just didn't feel like myself anymore. Mm-hmm. And I actually went into therapy like within there because I was just so like I needed to talk to someone and like nobody could like offer anything. I mean, no, like what 18 year old can understand having a stroke? Any of my right. friends, right? And, right. Like, even my right. coach, like they didn't know. Mm-hmm. So I went to therapy and it was just kind of like she just kind of taught me and like showed me, you know, when you go through really traumatic things in your life, like you're never going to be the same and that's okay. Like you mm-hmm. need to embrace this new Kindle. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you, you went through this process of just trying to get through it and get better and then you did it and now you're not accepting that. Like mm-hmm. school is still really hard for you. You probably mm-hmm. shouldn't be in school. I had my neurologist <laughs> literally tell me like you really shouldn't be in school, but I was doing it anyway just because I wanted I just wanted to play. I wanted to have this like college life that I was supposed to have. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then that's kind of how it transferred transferred over for me wanting to leave UTSA just cause I didn't feel like I was fighting so hard. And I love, I mean, those people at UTSA, they got me through a horrible time and I'm still mm-hmm. really good friends with all of those girls in the coaches, but there is just something there that just like, there was just no grind. There was no mm-hmm. fight anymore. Like, mm-hmm. and I, I just wanted something more out of softball because I was working so hard just to be on the field. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I need to leave this portion of my life behind because this isn't going to get me to where I'm going to, I'm going to feel really good, like in my gut, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, wow. yeah, that's really crazy. And I think it's, it's crazy because like I said, it's just your resilience, right? I mean, I can't (laughs) imagine anyone else who has a stroke that's like, nope, I'm still like gonna do, I'm still gonna be a normal college kid. I'm still gonna live in the dorm. I'm still gonna do the, you know, do all the things that a normal college kid does. And uh, like you said, your mom, I think it's so cool that your parents were supportive of you doing that and and just, you know, letting you do your thing because I think you had to just figure it out. But it's, it's just so cool how, resilient you were and how you know stubborn in a way you were and just you're like nope (laughs) I'm gonna live this normal college life and you can't tell me otherwise so I think I think that's really 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 cool the chilling new original docuseries on Paramount Plus why did he kill his family the answer lies across the ocean and a woman named Sylvie to the can model where desire leads to deception I ended up spending 12 and 15 thousand dollars a day it was addictive Get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? 
You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire now streaming on Paramount Plus. Um, yeah. Was there ever? I mean, you talked about your therapy. Um, for other athletes who are maybe not necessarily going through a stroke, but maybe going through some sort of identity crisis or um, some sort of traumatic event, like what advice would you give to them? Because I know you said you went to therapy. What advice would you give to anyone that's going through a tough time like you did? I just find it's kind of like you need to identify like how you're feeling first Mm -hmm. and foremost. I feel like Mm -hmm. that's like a big thing because it's like, no one can help you, even a therapist, really, mm-hmm. until you can help you until you identify like what's really going on in my core, like why am I feeling this way? Mm-hmm. And I mean, therapy, like I was a whole, I was a whole different human being, and mm-hmm. I, I, I was like always just like this like fighter. Like I, I think like out of all my friends, like no one ever thought like Kendall's going to therapy. Not that that's a bad thing, but mm-hmm. it was just like they just like saw me as just like huge human shield that like mm-hmm. never needed anyone to help her, right? Mm-hmm. But it, it just changed who I was as a person because, like I said, it helped me grow because I didn't. I was holding on to things that just weren't me anymore, and I feel mm-hmm. like that's what a lot of people go through in college in general, regardless of your. It doesn't matter. You right. don't have to have a stroke. You don't have to. You can just go to college and be like, right. uh, "Who am I? What am I doing? Why is mm-hmm. this happening?" Right. So I think that I think that therapy. I think that just asking for help, just having mm-hmm. someone. Someone just sitting there and just saying, hey, I need to talk and I want you to just listen to me for like however long. Mm-hmm. I think that can just totally change your life, honestly. Yeah, definitely. That's really powerful. And I, it's cool, too, that you mentioned that, you know, your friends never thought that you would have gone to therapy. And I think it, it shows, I mean, vulnerability is a strength, right? I think being vulnerable is not a weakness. It's definitely a strength. And that's something we've talked about on this podcast before. Um, but let's talk. So you went from UTSA and then you went off to Oklahoma State. Um, and then talk about how you you only had one semester there, I think you yeah. said. Yeah. yeah. And so those seizures that you had, I mean, were they scary? I mean, what was kind of like the reasoning why you went from Oklahoma State and then off to Georgia? So, well, like I said, so I went to Oklahoma State and I was like ready to be a cowgirl, right? Mm-hmm. I just wanted to play for them. Like I love mm-hmm. the coach. I was bonding with the girls, but um, the university doctor actually, he never cleared me and he made Mm -hmm. me go through all these tests he never consoled with my neurologist in San Antonio who had literally cleared me to play Mm -hmm. for two seasons never even called him like and I even talked to him myself like hey if someone calls you like can you please and he was like yeah totally no worries like I got you and I I mean I for about a month and a half before the first they told me twice that they weren't going to clear me so Mm -hmm. the first time I like went to practice at like five in the morning like all conditioning weights I just watched. I went to practice and I just watched. And I went to every team event and I just watched. And then mm-hmm. I had like a neurologist and a cardiologist in Oklahoma tell me like, you're never going to play softball again. Even mm-hmm. though like all of my scans were fine, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously I had, dead, I had dead brain cells, but I mean, so does everyone else's brain when they have a stroke. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. um, but after that, it was kind of like, okay, fine. I don't really, like, at least I have an answer. And so then mm-hmm. I started contacting, like, all these other schools because I was like, I didn't have to go through everything I've already mm-hmm. gone through not to play, right? Like, there's like, I'm not just going to be like, see you later. Um, but then I had, like, eight universities just be like, we want you on our roster, but, like, our mm-hmm. trainers are not cool with this at all. Mm-hmm. And that's like, I, I had a week where I was just like, maybe I should just hang out my cleats. Like, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe this just, like, 
you know, you, you chose a decision to leave UTSA, like you can't beat yourself up. Like you did try and you tried to mm-hmm. better yourself, but it's like, what, you know, what are you going to do? But then Oklahoma State came, my, so my parents wrote this like very intricate letter to like basically all of Oklahoma State. And so they started, <laughs> uh, which was awesome because my parents were like, we're not going down with our fight. Even though I was just like, let it be like, I'm over this university. Mm-hmm. Like love the coaches, love the girls, but just like get me out of Stillwater. That's mm-hmm. kind of how I was feeling. But then they came back and were like, we're going to get you clear. Don't you worry. And so then I was like, I started going back to practice and weights and I went to the games and I just like, sat there and watched mm-hmm. and everyone's cheerleader and then they just told me again they're like sorry just kidding not gonna happen and I was just like is this a joke like it was just like <laughs> what is going on but then like a couple of days later it's like Oregon called me and like hey you're clear to go we saw all your scans like wow. come to an official visit and then it was like and then Georgia and I was like is this like this is like what? Like, I honestly, this is really sad to say, but I never thought I was good enough to play at those universities. Like, wow. I just don't, I just set, I sold myself short when I was younger, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and I, some of my surgeries had like put me back in the recruiting process, mm-hmm. which was fine, but I was cool with playing at a, mm-hmm. like a smaller school because I just wanted to play, right? That doesn't mm-hmm. didn't matter to me if I played Oregon or, you know, UTSA. I just wanted mm-hmm. to play. But then I ended up with those two universities which were like the best, mm-hmm. some of the best college softball programs out there. And, you know, they say, when you know, you know. And Georgia, it was like the second I stepped foot on the field, I was like, I'm in. I mean, I, le- I didn't even leave like my visit. And I told them like on the field, I was like, I'm in. Like I hadn't even left mm-hmm. for my plane or anything. So that's amazing how cool yeah. is that and I mean Georgia is such an awesome school <laughs> and how yeah. was your experience at Georgia and talk about kind of your experience at Georgia and then leading out to graduating and where you are now okay Georgia leaves me speechless to be honest mm. with you just because and I know that's like basic to say but <laughs> I mean I just I so I got to play with two girls at Georgia who actually I played with since I was like eight. Like they were, I, George, uh, Sydney Emanuel, Courtney Emanuel, they were playing at Georgia when I transferred and I played in high school with them, middle mm-hmm. school, elementary school. So that in itself was super special because mm-hmm. our parents, like, I mean, we're like family. Like I can mm-hmm. they're like kind of like at this point, they're just my cousins, you know, like, they're, <laughs> like we're just very close. And so that in general and Sydney's a year older than me but getting to finish my career with Courtney is just like it's still surreal for me to Mm. think about it's just so it's on it's just incredible and like the people I met there I mean I had an instant family and it's really hard to just first of all it's hard to transfer but then Mm -hmm. to come in like in a season I mean I came in the spring like we are in season Mm -hmm. when you get (laughs) And it was just like, you know, it was really hard for me at first, but it was just like, I had that big post-stroke seizure and it was just like, I felt like I just, I had a whole nother family. Just like when I had my stroke, mm-hmm. it was like, I, I've only been in school for like about two months when I had my stroke. And I, I mean, you don't get that like form of family like every day, like you just mm-hmm. don't. And um, so, I mean, getting there was awesome that spring, 2017, that spring, but then, 2018 like that my fourth year in college like with crew 22 I mentioned that earlier it was just team 22 for Georgia Mm -hmm. but they 
we just built this culture together and we're just like, we're going to be relentless. We're going to fight. We're going to band together. We're going to laugh through everything. I mean, and we were thrown like so many curveballs. Like our ace pitcher, Brittany Gray, she tore her bicep. Like, I mean, and, like literally oh. tore her bicep in, in the oh. middle of the season. And we still ended up going to the World Series. And it was mm. just because that like, we just had so much faith in everybody. And we just like, we we never pointed the finger. Like mm-hmm. these girls yeah. were just like, they. I mean, it was like family, like times a thousand. You know, mm-hmm. it's just like it was just like no matter what, we were gonna get the job done, and that's exactly what we did. And it was just like, whenever I think about them, I just like I get chills, and then I want to cry, and then I want to like <laughs> laugh, like it's just like all these emotions, right? Every single time I like think of them, and just being able to like have gone through everything I went through and then be a part of a team like that. That's Mm -hmm. like, honestly, like I'm all over the place when I'm talking about it. It's just unexplainable. (laughs) Right. And like being able to go to the world series with a team like that, that you just like love more than Mm -hmm. anything and being able to take your cleats off, like at Oklahoma city, like in in the college world series, like Mm -hmm. after everything I've been through, like I, I remember like, the moment when I got to Oklahoma City and just being like, why are you nervous? Like, why are you more excited? Like, Kendall, mm-hmm. what's wrong with you? Like, I remember having these feelings. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a week or so after season is done, and you know, my career is ended, right? I just kind of had this realization. I was like talking to my dad and I talked to like my boyfriend and my friends about it. And it's just kind of like, like my phrase that I was saying is my very favorite. Like, it's all about your journey. Mm-hmm. It's not about the destination. Like that was mm-hmm. my dream. I mean, yeah. who doesn't want for the World Series? Mm-hmm. But it was like everything that it took for me to get there, everyone's path that I crossed, like mm-hmm. every up and down. I mean, that was how, why it was special to be yeah. there. Like mm-hmm. that's why it felt just content. That's why mm-hmm. I just felt happy to be there. I just mm-hmm. like, this is the coolest thing ever. And there's nothing to be nervous about because you went through all this stuff and look what you did. You did mm-hmm. it. Yeah. You know? Wow. So, yeah. That is so <laughs> cool. I love that. Mm-hmm. And the one thing I think is really special too is, of course, like you said, the team. Um, and it's just so cool that you guys had, you know, a group of girls that, like you said, it's just unexplainable. Like it just, it all, it all worked and it was so effortless. Yeah. But do you, what are some of the qualities that you think it takes? Like what advice would you give to um, young female athletes who are playing softball or even any other sport? Um, what advice would you give to them for kind of trying to build um, that team, that like unexplainable team that just works so effortlessly and perfectly together? Honestly, Okay, so Coach Tony Baldwin, he was our assistant coach, and his, like, everything he said, like, every day was, like, be the best you. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is, like, one of the most powerful things because I feel like teams get in trouble because they have people trying to fill roles that aren't theirs. Mm -hmm. And that's not a bad thing. It's just that everyone has their different strengths. Everybody Mm -hmm. has, like, this, like, like, everyone has their thing, their Mm -hmm. story. And I feel like teams, when people try and like fight for the leadership role or fight for this and fight for that, and then you're clashing instead Mm -hmm. of just like, you know, this person does this really well. We should like, we're going to, we're going to groove with that. Mm -hmm. But this does this really well. We're going to, we're going to like take that into account. And it's kind of like taking everybody's pieces of the puzzle and putting Mm -hmm. them in 
like making your puzzle because the thing is like everyone's edges are different you can make them like you just have to find the right fit so Mm -hmm. I think that when it comes to leadership and being a teammate and it's just learn to be the best you to fit the puzzle of that team because every team's different you have a team come in and then you lose people and then all of a sudden you have another team Mm -hmm. so I think that that would be my best advice. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And it's so, so true because I think it's so hard for everyone to be good at every single little thing. But if you can take, like you said, the strengths of every single player, that's what truly makes a team from go from good to great. So yeah. I think that was that was awesome advice. Um, well, Kendall, what is next for you? So you went to World <laughs> Series. What are you doing now? What's going on in the world of Kendall? <laughs> So I'm still in Athens because I had to take mm-hmm. a fifth year because, you know, mm-hmm. I transferred like a thousand times. So I graduated <laughs> in May. And, exciting. Uh, so, yeah, it's really exciting. It's like, it's, it's going to be awesome. I'm excited mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. But so I work for the Packers Deal um, and I got employed by them like last June. Mm-hmm. And that in itself has been just like so rewarding because mm-hmm. I have met, I mean, the founders, Jen, Amanda and Morgan are just I couldn't even tell you better role models. You just mm-hmm. you just can't find it. Like they mm-hmm. they'll do anything. I mean, I'm basically here talking to you because of Jen, right? Mm-hmm. So it's just like and the article that you read, like the ESPN article, that was kind of all happened because of Amanda. She threw my name mm-hmm. out there. She took my story and she, you know, she found out and then she asked me all these questions and then all of a sudden, like Wayne out of like you know eight other stories chose mm-hmm. mine. So it's just wow. like it. It's just having people like that in your corner, I mm. can't even, I, I love being a part of their team. And I mm-hmm. love the, I guess like all of our teammates, like all the mm-hmm. roster girls, they just, they like support me and lift me up in like ways that I, I thought that I would never get after not playing a sport mm-hmm. anymore, which mm-hmm. is cool. Um, I actually ended up getting a book agent because of the mm-hmm. article. Wow. Um, because I told the writer Wayne that I mm-hmm. wanted to write a book. I remember, like, I remember specifically, I was like in the hospital bed after I had my stroke and I like couldn't talk. Like, everything I said was just like so wrong. It was just like, ah, whatever. And I remember thinking, like, I need to write like about this. Wow. And then, and then that, like, um, that basically just festered and just like grew mm-hmm. and grew. And I was just like, no, I want to write like a memoir. And then all of a sudden, I had this book agent like reaching out to me, being like, "Hey, I read your article. I think you're super awesome. Like, let's work together." And wow. So was, and you know, that was something I was like, "Are you sure? Like me?" And, you know, I was like so like blown <laughs> away. But no, I Liz Parker is my book agent with the Verb Agency, and so I'm gonna write a book. Oh my uh, gosh, that is so yeah. exciting! Congratulations. <laughs> Thank that you. That is Congrats. so cool. Oh my gosh. And I can't believe it's so cool because you, I feel like, basically manifested that to happen when you said you're in the hospital <laughs> bed after your stroke. You said, I'm going to write a book. And it's just so cool how, you know, you put it out in the universe. And I feel like you just continue to work. You continue to be resilient and work hard and everything. And it just, the universe <laughs> provides back. And I just think that is just the coolest story ever. I love that. That's amazing. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so and then, like, cool. Uh, and then I also am like, I have this um, new dream to be a motivational speaker. And so mm. I've had a couple of engagements, I actually just finished my website, like no joke this morning. Wow. So I'm having like some people look over it, make sure there's no typos. Cause like mm-hmm. I have typos all the time cause you know, I had a show, <laughs> whatever. And um, so that was really cool. I mean, and, and I'm just, I just, 
I just want to impact lives. I just mm. want to share my story because it's like, and I used to not want to because I always felt like my story is nothing compared to other people's. Mm. Like, you know, people have it so much harder. But I mean, if my story can impact one person, mm. then, you know, my job, my, my one job that day mm-hmm. was done. And mm-hmm. so I feel like that's basically just what I'm going to go with mm-hmm. and just kind of get my name out there and do whatever I can. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm doing currently. So oh, that is so cool. Well, first of all, congratulations and good luck with graduating. I that is so <laughs> exciting. You. Your book deal, amazing. I think that is so, <laughs> so cool. And for you being a motivational speaker, I can't honestly think of anyone better. I think you know, your story is so powerful and, you know, it's, it's crazy that you even, you even questioned yourself is my story, you know, even that great, but I think everyone has a story and it's just a matter of if you impact one life on this earth, you have done your job. And I think you have already impacted many lives and I just can't wait to see how many more lives you impact. I just, you're, yeah, you're a beacon of light and it's just very inspirational and very powerful. So yeah, thank you. you, Yes. Thank you for sharing your story and everything. It's just really, really cool. Um, well, a couple last questions for you. Um, what is something that you would tell your younger self? What I would tell my younger self, Mm -hmm. um, don't take it too seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, I I always felt like because I was lacking, like you know, and like being like not pretty enough or something, mm-hmm. I always had to excel really hard mm-hmm. on other things because, like, I, you know, I felt like in my head you had to be at this like top line, you know, and then, but since I, you know, I wasn't, I could never get to the top line in one aspect. I had to like exceed expectations on others. Mm-hmm. But I just think like being super hot on yourself is really awesome and it can be really powerful, but you always have to like tell yourself good things too, because mm-hmm. you are doing something great. Like you working that hard in general, it's just something to be proud of. Mm-hmm. So definitely don't take things too seriously mm-hmm. would kind of be my, I wish I could tell my 10 year old self that now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And I think you definitely have lived through that model with everything you've been through. I can tell through the stories that you've shared, you have, you know, even like made, made light of getting you know, having a stroke and everything like that. And I think just keeping that positive, lighthearted attitude and, and getting humor in there. Um, I think it really just helps because I, I mean, for me, it's like, what kind of life do we live if it's so serious all the time? You know, we only have one life to live. We might as well make it fun. So that's, (laughs) that's really great advice. Um, well, Kendall, where can everyone find you? I know you just said you, um, launched your website. This will be coming out in, I think a couple weeks. So if you want to share your website, we'd love to hear it. (laughs) Oh yeah. Okay. Well, it's the toughest out.com. That's Mm -hmm. kind of what I'm branding myself as because that was kind of like the name of the article for ESPN. Mm -hmm. So definitely go check it out. It should be up and running and looking good by the time this is (laughs) uh, posted. And then uh, for Instagram, I'm Mm -hmm. Kenny Grace uh, with an I. So Mm -hmm. does that make sense? Ken Mm -hmm. I Grace. Mm -hmm. And uh, Twitter is Kendall G. Burton, I think. And then Facebook is Kendall Grace Burton. So definitely contact me on all social media. I will respond. (laughs) amazing okay Kendall well um last question for you what does playing like a girl mean to you testing your limits and setting limits and then once you get there finding new limits to set so just just like the constant relentless like pushing yourself even harder than you think you can once Mm -hmm. you get somewhere 
I love that. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Kendall, for coming yeah. on the podcast today. I'm so excited for your future. It's a bright <laughs> road ahead for you, and I can't wait thank to see you. what you do with it. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This was super awesome. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. All right, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Kendall, like I said, is as resilient and strong and brave as they come. Her story just even even awed me more after I talked to her. And it was just so cool to hear everything that she went through and how she still has come out on top and all the amazing things that she has in store for her future. So please make sure to share this episode with a friend who you think will enjoy this podcast. I'd love to hear your feedback and thoughts on this episode, so head to iTunes to leave a review. You can also send any questions or topics you'd like us to cover by sending us a DM on Instagram at playlikeagirlmp. We want to know what you want to hear. Before you go, screenshot this episode and tag us at playlikeagirlmp so we know you're listening alongside us. Thank you so much for listening to episode 27 of Play Like a Girl. We hope you come back for more. Once again, I'm Nikki B, and remember to never stop playing like a girl. You play ball like a girl! Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.